0: Okay, everyone have it? Good. Tana Rabbanon. mitzvah nicha al-pesach beso The mitzvah, when it comes to the light of Hanukkah is to place it on the doorway of one's home outside. Okay? So uh, it's important to place it outside by one's doorway. And again, if you go to Israel, you will be able to witness this. It's a beautiful, beautiful sight. So every single house has a menorah lit outside. However, says the Mish... It says the B'raisa. Im hayadar ba'aliyah, if a person lived upstairs... Uh, you live in a in a upstairs where you don't have something. Uh, you don't have a doorway. Let's say you lived uh, the specific example. You know, I, I guess in a modern day apartment would be a good example of this, right? You don't have your own doorway to the to the outside. You have a shared doorway, but you have your, you live on the fifth floor, right? So you don't really have a doorway to to the public. So manicha So you place it by the window. It, which is open, li- literally close to, but which is open to the public. Okay? The B'risa concludes by saying that at a time of danger, at a time when it was dangerous to light a menorah in one's home, or at least in one's window, or outside, any uh, lighting a menorah would cause uh, some anti-Semitic violence or something of that nature. al You can leave it on your table, and that is enough. Again, at the end of the day, although there is a strong emphasis on Pirsume Nisa, on publicizing the miracle of Hanukkah, for others. And that's why there's such an emphasis on placing it by the door or placing it by the window at the end of the day to fulfill one's obligation. Even if it's on your table, you fulfill your obligation. And that's why uh, there are times when, you know, someone asked me a little while ago, no names, about lighting a menorah in their sink, right? They're leaving their house uh, about lighting the menorah in a very, very safe place. Bottom line is your Yotzer the Mitzvah, right? Uh, certainly if you have someone else in the house who's able to see it, right? So you're, you're, you're demonstrating the Mitzvah to others. Again, it's not our ideal choice But in certain scenarios, that would be fine because lighting it on your table, you still fulfill your obligation of Chanukah, of, of, of the menorah. Amar Rava, says Rava. And here we learn the, the mitzvah of an extra yeah, candle. That's only oh, Evid, right? It is only Bidievud, yes. Ideally, we want to have it by, you know, in theory, we want to all have it by the door. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where uh, this is like a minhag, you know. In theory, you know, every once in a while, someone says, hey, wait, you learn the Gemari, you learn the postkim. really? You should light it outside. And, and we could light it outside. There's really nothing. There's, it's funny that we don't light it outside. That said, the minhag is to light it inside, outside of Israel. And that's the accepted minag. Yeah, well, you know, there's a couple of exceptional people who light it outside, uh, but just do it on your own is weird, for lack of better. It's just not the minag. The minag is evolved that it's, by, yeah, the The ideal is to light it either outside or by the window. Lighting it on your own table inside the house, that is certainly not the ideal, but in certain situations where push comes to shove, that would be fine to light it there. Okay. Amarava. Is that only if you have another person awake in the house? So you could still fulfill your obligation. It's just ideal, yeah, even by yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're the only person there, if it's you're the only person, you're the only person who's going to see it, I I I don't want to answer one foot. Um, yeah, I I it could be that you need someone else. I mean, from the gemara, it sounds like even if there's no one else there. But I believe so. From from the gemara itself, it sounds like even if you're the only person there. But I I, I believe. Uh, the postgame are not such a. Yeah, yeah. They're so we, light we have, have the minute to light. light. Yeah, yeah, even even that's what the earlier postgame say. The later postgame talk about nowadays. You can light it by the window. Uh, we could be we could uh, assume that someone's going to see it. So letting it inside, if you're the only person there, although the gemara is clear that you do fulfill your obligation. Um, I, just, I don't recall what the, what the later post game conclude based on, based on that. Okay. But certainly if someone else is in the house, then then you for, certainly can light it anywhere in the house as long as some, the other one there. There's another person there. Amar Rava. Says Rava. Tzarech ner acheres li shtamish leora. Right, the shamish. You need another candle to use its light. Okay, what is the reason for this? Let's keep on reading one more line and become clear. V'ika madura lo tzarech. If there is a, you know, a large fire in the room then you don't need to do so because then you have another, the simple way of reading this is you have another candle right. to use. But let's keep on reading because it becomes clear in a moment that that's not really the purpose, right? Because let's see what the Gemara says. Adam chashevu, <inaudible> Rava concludes by saying, if it's a very important person, important people, apparently, they don't use, like in a typical room, you would have a large fire. Okay, meaning a, a, no, 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 like a bonfire, a large, more than a lamp. It seems like they had like larger fires of sorts, like a torch of sorts that was in the room, and everyone in the room used it. But if you were a special person, if you were a distinguished person, you would have your own candle over, you know, your book or over your writing or whatever it is that you were doing. Spe- you know, dignified, distinguished people, they had their own special candle that was used. Okay, so says Ravah. Ravah says, like, again, three steps. First step, he says, you need to have another candle, to use. If you have another big candle in the room, the madura, the, the large fire, that's fine. Then he says if you're an important person, then, what does he say? Afagav madura. even though you have a large fire, tzarech ner acheres, you need another fire, another candle. Why? Why is that? At the end of the day, the big fire in the room, again, right, what's he saying? R- Rav is saying like this, in addition to your menorah, you need to have a, another light in the room. A madura, madura He's is a torch. That's what it sounds like, right? But then he says, if you're a dignified, if you're a distinguished person who typically uses your own additional candle, then you don't. Then that, that big fire in the room is not enough. Why not? At the end of the day, that fire is produ- that torch is producing enough light. Why do you need another candle? Doesn't seem to make too much sense. So th- to understand this better, it, it, I think we we sometimes explain the purpose of the shamash a little bit uh, wrong based on what Rav is saying. Rav seems to be saying it's not so much that you need to have another candle. It's that it needs to be apparent that you're not using the menorah. You hear the difference, right? It's not practically, do I have another light providing me with, uh, with, with lights. What, what it is is that I need it to be clear that I'm not using the menorah for lights. And therefore, if I'm a distinguished person who always uses a special candle, even if there's a big fire over there, but if I'm sitting by the menorah, even if my, the majority of the light and all the light is really coming from the madura, from that torch, it's not clear to the onlooker that the menorah is not the one giving me the light. And it doesn't, it's not apparent that the menorah is specially being specifically lit as the menorah for the mitzvah. And therefore, in order to demonstrate that the menorah is being lit for the mitzvah, I need to have an additional candle, right? And by the way, if you recall, two weeks ago, and we learned the earlier part of this amud, we saw different opinions. You know, according to one opinion, according to two opinions, actually, you are allowed to benefit from the light of the menorah, right? Only one opinion. We, have to, we happen to rule, like the opinion that says, you cannot benefit from the light of the menorah. But two opinions, two Amorim said, you're allowed to benefit from the light of the menorah. Right. Rava's statement is true, the post the, the achronim say, even according to those other opinions, Because what Rav is saying, it's not so much, the shamash isn't there so that we will have an additional fire to get additional light, excuse me, to provide light for us, but rather it's so that it's apparent that the menorah is being lit for the mitzvah. And therefore, even if you are allowed to have benefit from the menorah, you still need an extra light so that it's apparent that this is an extra light, that it's being done for mitzvah. Practically speaking, you know, nowadays with our lights on, you know, for, I, I, I hate when everyone shuts the lights and they want to have the beautiful look of the menorah. It's very romantic and very uh, festive, but it's not, it's not really the ideal. I mean, I don't know. Something is something a little off about it. The whole purpose is no, you want to show that I don't need this light, it's not there for my lights. I have all the light in the world, but I'm just keep the menorah on so that. I'm lighting them for the mitzvah, right? It's, it's not for light. It's there for the mitzvah alone, okay? So it's okay if you close the lights, but I don't know. It just always rubs me the wrong way. Uh, but, but, um, but, but what we learn, right? So practically speaking, you know, we don't need a shamish, right? You and I don't need a shamish. We have lights in all of our rooms, right? You absolutely do not need a shamish. It's certainly not a uh, ma'akev in any way. The minag is that we still light a shamish, okay? But, but And there's some mystical reasons, but, but practically speaking, if you, if you don't have enough you know, light or whatever it is, certainly if you're lighting like 12 different menorahs there and one of them has, like, it's, it's really unnecessary because we have a madura and all of us as distinguished as we may be, you know, when we read, we don't have a special flashlight over our thing, you know, you read, you have a light on, and you use it. So basically, as long as you have a light on, you don't need a shamish, yeah, it's completely fine. people use the shamish to light the other candles? Yeah, yeah, you but do. But that's not the purpose of it. The main purpose is not that, correct. The main purpose is to have an additional light to make it clear, not so that we're benefiting from that light, right? But it's to make it clear that we're not using the menorah's lights. That's that's the primary role of the shamash. I'm 75 years old, I uh, thought that the purpose of the was to light the Okay, varach Hashem. A day shouldn't go by where we don't <laughs> learn something new, right? Okay, varach <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Hashem, varach Hashem. Oh, right. Yeah, so know you're absolutely right. So, Lishhtamesh Leora means it's, it's, it's doing something. Shimush, it does something for us. So, so practically, it is... You know, I'll tell you, though. You know, for, as someone who lights an oil, uh, an oil menorah, right... I don't use my shamish to light the other ones and make a mess, right? So I use a candle and I blow it out. I just have the shamish there, right? But yeah, but, but it is, you know, Lish Tamesh right, It makes sense to use the shamish to light. So it makes sense, but it's not its primary use. Okay. All right. Says the Gemara by the two dots. My Hanukkah. What in the world is Hanukkah? What's this holiday all about? So the Tanarabadan, if you were here two Shabbats ago and you heard Dr. Klein, what she spoke about, what she mentioned was that in the Gemara's version, what is, emph- what is emphasized? Not the milchama, not the war, but rather the nace Hanukkah, the nace of the menorah, right? In Alanisim, which we just said, right, not today, Well, in Alanisim, which we said, the emphasis is very much about the war. That's an earlier text. The, by the time the Gemara is written, or at least this Bryce is written, um, right, so we don't know exactly when the Bryce was written, but by the time the Bryce was written, again, that's a later period, and her argument was that the rabbi seeing the fall, and the, the embarrassing fall, the shameful fall, the Hasmonean Kingdom dynasty, uh, therefore the rabbis de emphasize the chashmonaim and much more emphasize the, the miracle, the long lasting miracle, not just then, but something which is which we still to this day could hold on to. Okay. So let's see how the Gemara says exactly that. The twenty fifth of Kislev is the days of Hanukkah. That's when Hanukkah begins. Timanyah, Inon, they are eight days. a hespid should not be given. Okay. Um Anos Not fast on those days, right? So, strictly speaking, you really don't have eulogies on the days of Hanukkah. For whatever reason, nowadays, in some circles, uh, it evolved that we have like lighter. Has you know we don't say memorial prayer, and we kind of say a more toned down, less sad and evocative type of eulogy, and we don't consider it to be a full fledged eulogy. But but strictly speaking, really, really, uh, no, uh, you know, eulogy should be given as, at all. You're not allowed to fast during those days. And now the Gemara gives the the price that goes and describes the story. When the Greeks enter the base of Mikdash, they contaminated all of the oils in the base of Mikdash. Malchus base Chashmonai, and when the the household of the Chashmonaim, when the Chashmonaim be overpowered, uh, the Greeks Vinitzchum and defeated them. Badku, they searched Lomatsu elapach echad They only found one flask, one uh, one pitcher of oil shayamunach which was. Resting with the seal of the Kohen Gadal, which, by the way, was very rare. The Kohen Gadal didn't actually go. The Kohen Gadal had better things to do with his life. He didn't go and seal every single flask of oil, right? This was, I just want to emphasize, this was a unique thing. I don't know, when I was taught the story, I thought all of them were sealed with the Kohen Gadal's seal. But the Rishonim say, no, this was a unique thing. It's actually why they knew it was tahar, meaning the fact that it's sealed doesn't necessarily prevent it from all forms of Tumah, right? Meaning, Right, right. So, right, meaning the fact that it's sealed, you can still contaminate something that's sealed. The seal doesn't... It's not a... Exactly. So how did they know that it was actually tohar, right? So that's what the Gemara is saying over here. That's what the Bryce is saying. Because it had the seal of the Kohen Gadol, which was very unique and very clear that it was special, right? And the fact that it wasn't broken open demonstrated, led the the Kohan and led the Jewish people to come to the following conclusion. They said, had the Greeks seen this, touched it, been exposed to it, they certainly would have opened it, meaning it had such a unique seal. Imagine the president's seal on it, right? And you have the enemy coming into the basement. They, of course, would have broken it. The fact that they didn't demonstrates that it must be that it wasn't actually touched. It wasn't moved, it wasn't touched, right? Because otherwise they would have moved it. Otherwise they would have broken it open. The fact that it had such a significant seal and it wasn't broken, that demonstrates that it must have been not touched. It must have been unexposed to the Greeks. And that's why, the co- that's why they knew that it was pure. Again, not because it was unbroken, but because it had the special seal. And despite that, the Greeks didn't touch it. It must be they never saw It must be they didn't touch it. And that's why they concluded it was pure oil. First says it was hidden in the ground. Okay, right, right, uh, le- right. So what you see, I'm. Um, right, fine a good Tosfos a more pra- you know again not explicit in the Gemara. Right, Tos has a has a has an explanation which says it must be that it was do- that it was buried in the ground because otherwise again the same issue. Right, so he has to come up with another way of understanding this. But the way, other Rishonim understand it is that the fact that it was in his. Um, right, and that's what Rashi seems to be saying. The uh, hikir Shlonagubo. nagubo. Rashi seems to be saying different than Tosvos, Doesn't state explicitly the fact that it had that special seal must be, and it wasn't touched, it wasn't broken. It must be that they never touched it. Right. So different ways of addressing the the same question. Okay. Where, where would the tumor come from? Just them touching it? Yeah, we have uh, the the there is the Gemara Nida tells us that that there is a rabbinic decree that um, that the touch of a of a, of a non-Jew is like a Zav, is like the impurity of a Zav, okay? Oh, okay. Um, so the Greeks being, you know, they, they would have been able to contaminate it with that, with that level just by touching it. And the fact that it was sealed wouldn't prevent that, that, that impurity. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, but in that flask, there was only enough to light for one day. Of course, the miracle took play. There was a miracle, and it yamim, and it lit, for eight days. Lishana Ahheres, literally on another year, but another on another year, Kavum Vasom Yamim Tovim, Hoda, they established it as a holiday with saying Hallel and Thanksgiving. It's interesting they didn't make the festival on that year. Right? It's interesting. Lashana mm-hmm. Acheres, it says only at a later point did they go ahead and make it a holiday. Okay, there's some literature on this, but, but what, what, bottom line is that it's, it's interesting they did not make it um, a, a full-fledged holiday. Um, okay, the, the, they did make it a full-fledged holiday. Into, they didn't make it a holiday at all until a later point. And the Gemara emphasizes it's not a yomtiv. How did they make it a yomtiv? The hal of Only with hal and hodah. Because if they would have just said they made it a yomtiv, you would have assumed... That there be a ister malacha, there be a prohibition against doing work. The Gemara's emphasis: no, it's limited. Only hal and hoda. The only other example of this, the only other long-standing example of this, is what? Purim and Purim. There's one other thing. Well, there's a few other mitzvahs, but hal hoda and su'udah. And also festive meals with Chanukah. Although we, we have Chanukah parties, uh, but it doesn't have carry the same weight so on, on Purim. There's a mitzvah you have to have a festive meal on Chanukah. There is no such mitzvah to have a festive meal. Okay, we celebrate; it's a beautiful thing to celebrate, but it doesn't carry the same. Uh, there's no mitzvah on Purim. You must have a suda. Okay, it's not hasam. Now we're going to learn uh, some halachos um, that about near Chanukah. Gates Hayotem Itachas Hapatish VeYatzav Vihizik Chayav. A spark that goes out from the hammer of the, of the smith, okay, let's say a spark goes out and it goes ahead and it damages, like it starts a fire or something like that. Chayav the smith, is liable for damages. Okay, we're quoting a Gemara, a Mishnah from Bava Kama, which speaks about damages. And the rule with damages is that a person is liable for anything they should have been responsible to prevent.